Welcome to Just Losers, the podcast where we talk about pop culture, media, namely movies, TVs, and comics. I'm your host, Preston, joined as always by my delightful co-host, Bat Matt. Matt, what should people do? Like, subscribe, tell a friend. Matt Bat? Probably not. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, specifically, check out our Facebook, where I might actually post something this week. Yeah. Maybe a couple somethings this week. Maybe a couple somethings. Who knows? Maybe if not this week, but maybe in the next couple weeks, another something? Who knows? No, I think one of those somethings got pushed back, but we have... No, there is another something. There will be somethings. On a on a plus, on a on a streaming services. Mm-hmm. One of the positive ones. One of the positive ones. Yeah, okay. Uh anyway. Matt, Matt what you been up to? <laughs> Things. Stuff. Excitement. Alright. <laughs> uh I finished finished volume two of Brian Michael Bendis' run on Daredevil. Yes. Um some good stuff in there, some good iconic stuff. Um it does now that I'm getting kind of more big picture stuff, it does feel a little chunky. Mm-hmm. Um, like you get like, okay, here's one story and then chop it off and here's the next. Yeah. And that's kind of inevitable with any just long comic run is you're going to get little mini arcs mm-hmm. um, and it's just going to kind of distract between them. But it, it feels kind of like with the world building they have that there should be more through lines because yeah. it's trying to be kind of grounded. And so it's a little jarring at times. Um, what do you mean by it feels like there should be more through lines? Just like things should connect actions should have consequences mm. more so than they do. Okay. Um, and they, they do like his, he's out at his daredevil. Uh, Matt Murdock is out as daredevil, like halfway through the first volume. And that's still, he's dealing with the fallout of that mm-hmm. by the end of the second volume. It's upended his life. Yeah. Um, like stilt man walks into his office and is like, all right, look, I know you're Daredevil. I want to work out something here. You, hmm. you jerk. You beat me up. Stilt man. Yeah. Stilt man comes in. That's amazing. In. Yep. And Matt Murdock denies, denies, denies. And Stilt man's like, oh, whatever. I'm leaving you my stilts. Do do whatever you want with leaving them. Leaving you my stilts? <laughs> and Matt's like, hey, Foggy, you want you want this? He's like, what is it? It's uh, Stilt man's stilts. Foggy's like, oh, <laughs> no i don't want that why would anyone want stilt man stilts i'm really hoping that we get foggy as stilt man but like the hero version his when when was this written this was the early aughts early aughts so wait oh you're hoping like in this run that he becomes stilt man yeah i feel like that's not gonna happen no he, he won't i feel like we know we would know if that happened yeah <laughs> Remember that time that Foggy was stilt man? Yeah. I'm, pr- I'm sure they would have covered it in the second yeah. season of Daredevil. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, um, cool. Yeah. Uh, so I read that. I took a temporary break this week so I could read uh, the Demon Bear Saga from New Mutants comics, yes. um, including some ancillary material. Mm-hmm. Um, Marvel put out a couple of years ago, like a little self-contained volume that had the original Demon Bear storyline, which is a three-issue storyline from 1983. From the New Mutants run, um, yep. where they fight a demon bear. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it has like some excerpts and a couple little one-off issues from later on in New Mutants and X-Force and stuff, where the demon bear reappears and they deal with it in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Ghost so Rider is there. How? I didn't ask about this, because we talked about this in the review. We'll talk mm-hmm. about that in a minute. How much does that spread out? Like the because it's a whole bunch of one-off stuff. So I assume it would like maybe a few years between appearances of Demon Bear. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I actually even flipped through it on my own. Uh, 
and I, the art style was drastically changed. Like, it, yeah, it, it developed as the art style it's of like comics do. Eighty three, ninety nine, and two thousand eight yeah. are the appearances or something. It's just like they want to bring back an iconic character for mm. a particular moment yeah. or something. Um, it's there's no real cohesion to it. It's just kind of see Marvel has not figured out how they want to do trade paperbacks yet. DC figured that shit out. Mm-hmm. Of course, DC knows what they're doing when well, it comes to comics. This is also yeah. not like a self-contained trade ba- paperback. This is like more of a here's your background information if you're going to go see this movie that we're coming out with. That's a terrible idea. I mean, it's a fine idea, but mm-hmm. like it just Yeah. I mean, well like the I don't like and DC does it a couple times, but I know Marvel is like particularly guilty of it that they're about th- three or four trade paperbacks that have any given issue in it because mm-hmm. they collect them in all different ways. Right. And it's like, I don't, I don't know. Uh, DC has figured out how they want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's by collecting the writers. So you have Wonder Woman by George Perez, Wonder Woman by Greg Rucka, mm-hmm. Wonder Woman by drawing, uh, John Byrne. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have your Teen Titans. Well, the new Teen Titans was just Marv Wolfman. Right. And no no one else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like they, they have th- those collections and then they'll put in the little snippets like of other, like uh, they'll put in other issues of other runs if right. they tie into that. Uh, but it's very clear. Like, it's like, if you want to read Wonder Woman versus Ares, you need to go get Wonder Woman by, well, no, that's not true. I don't want to talk about this because I'm realizing I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so ignore everything I just said. And I usually do. On. All right. Yeah, uh, so I read that. I'm gonna. I'm excited to get back into Daredevil. Um, I have now received in the mail uh, the first two volumes of when Ed Brubaker takes over the run after Brian Michael Bendis finishes it. Boy, they really did have just two of the best writers back to back, didn't they? Yeah, that's, that's just unfair. That's good stuff. Um, so and I'm then excited. they both left Marvel. <laughs> yeah. Still, I'm excited to see how that goes. Um, and then um, after that, I'm probably gonna read End of Days, which is like a little one-off um mm-hmm. i think they did just a series of little one-off graphic novels about basically the concept is okay what if superhero dead so it opens with daredevil dying good and then just kind of goes from there um so yeah we'll see how that goes yeah uh looking forward to that so um, you have the whole run of uh B, right yes and then two out of three of the brewbaker after gotcha. that the third one's out of print and 110 dollars on amazon have you been have you been like looking for occasionally i haven't had yeah. any luck so far but yeah it takes my, a while yeah i got really lucky with my constantine one <laughs> yeah um yeah so there's that um i've been watching a little more avatar mm-hmm. basically uh they just left bossing say okay so i've so seen you... the bossing say episodes and you thought tales, tales of bossing say mm-hmm. what'd you think it was all right oh fuck you what yeah what yeah how do you not just like that i mean it's a filler episode for sure but like it's there's such good small little stories of character development yeah they're they're, they're nice they're good i hate you i'm not being facetious i was genuinely like yeah this is i mean this is fine i know (laughs) it's nothing spectacular like okay iroh's story's kind of tearjerkery but we Mm -hmm. don't get any new information from it um no but like it you get to dwell on it right which is something that 
needed to happen instead yeah. of it just being this thing in his past. Like it's now like, look at how he handles it, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. sad. It's it's good. It's just not like whoa. But it's like the thing about those is it's really a good focusing point on all of their characters mm-hmm. because. The show will, like, develop all their characters, and you kind of see their characters throughout, mm-hmm. but doesn't really particularly shine a close light on each of them and how they would handle it mm-hmm. in isolation. Um, so you get Zuko's whole thing with his lady friend. Right. And it's like, that's not something that you'll get in the show otherwise. Right. Um Iroh without Zuko and like how he, well, you kind of get his throughout when Zuko bails on him. Yeah. But like kind of his, his view on life from his eyes. Yeah. Cause typically you get his view on life through Zuko's eyes. Right. Um, and then Toph and Katara is like kind of really their first close moment. Yeah. Um, so it develops them, but I don't know. Yeah. That's kind of there. Sokka's got his weird rap battle thing. Yeah, that one's dumb. <laughs> I was I thoroughly enjoyed it, but I yeah. was several times I was like, "What is happening right now?" <laughs> yep. Um, I so the one I just watched, I actually just watched it over lunch, was the Lake Lao guy one. Mm. Um, they... there is no crime in Bus, or there is no war in Bossing Say. See, there's all the memes about that. I don't remember hearing that line. I mean, I'm gonna throw you under the bus you also thought Toph was Toph the first time so you it's probably true. just weren't paying attention no i've been listening it. for it and i don't think i've heard it there might have been one reference in like or one one layout of it in the the first episode in boston they State. say it quite a bit they don't yeah they really really don't i can't look it up i don't have my phone yeah oh well i know we'll talk about it <laughs> um no but the the lake loud guy one there's um well minor spoilers they actually kill off a character mm-hmm. uh, no no we don't know yeah and they make a joke about that when you get to the players of uh ember island mm. like a rock falls on it mm-hmm. and Sokka goes wait did jet just die and Toph goes you know it's not really clear or vice versa uh-huh. but it, they make joke of the fact that yeah. it's kind of ambiguous a <laughs> little bit but still it's like we're we're meant to take away that he could well be dead mm-hmm. and that's uh it's introducing some stakes to the universe yep um there's the just the really cool moment of appa coming out of the sun to save him at the end mm-hmm. and, um appa! uh iroh actually getting angry at zuko and like mm-hmm. smack down lay down the law this is what you're gonna do you need to sit down and figure yourself out son mm-hmm. and then zuko abandons the blue spirit and it's mm-hmm. a, some good stuff in there oh yeah yeah you're you've got four episodes left in season two i think less less you're, sure. yeah, you're close to the end of that season two, which, oh, season two doesn't end with a bang, but ends with a cliffhanger. I bet. I can kind of tell that it will. Yeah. Don't know what it's going to be, but it, yeah. I can tell that it will. <laughs> um, so now that you've had, we haven't talked about this because she's not mm-hmm. in season one. Well, she mm-hmm. is. She's vaguely in season one, but she doesn't really have the, the limelight until season mid-season two. Mm-hmm. Anything about Azula? She's hot. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so there's so much about her character mm-hmm. that is just... She has the coolest development in season three. Mm-hmm. Uh, you haven't been to Boiling Rock yet, have you? No. Okay. 
at this point, all I know about her is that she's bad, and it seems like she's been a bad apple from the start. Yes. Okay, cool. You're going to get season three really shines a light on her relationship with Zuko mm-hmm. um, and that whole family dynamic. Okay. And it's... Good. Oh, God. It, it's a really interesting story because it's just like... it. They write it so well. It's the conflict among... And I'm not going to tell you really kind of dynamics, but among mm-hmm. Azula, Azula, Zuko, uh, Ozai, and their mother mm-hmm. and you learn about all i don't know how much uh, i'm trying to think of how we much get a, you, we've get, gotten some backstory some flashbacks yeah uh, but it really digs in like you get like long scenes of them in the past like them mm-hmm. interacting with their parents and with each other and stuff like that yeah. and you get you get that dynamic and it, what do you know about the end like not the end nothing. like okay cool i don't want to talk about it then because just the way everything's handled in the end is fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about it when you get to I cannot. When you get to the last four episodes, the finale four episodes, we're watching it at my house with the speaker system. Okay. Because I want to hear, because the music is really cool for mm-hmm. one of the, one of the chunks of that. Mm-hmm. And I want, I want to hear that on that. Like, I don't want to, I want to see kind of, like, I want to, I want to talk to you about it afterwards. Okay. Um, instead of like on the pot waiting for on the podcast. Yeah. Um, cool. But, yeah yeah i'm into it still trucking through good um also did you know the lao guy is a real thing huh it's basically the chinese gulag that they have right now (laughs) oh (laughs) yeah like it's a series of prison camps in china oh shit yeah i'm just gonna take a drink of my coffee yeah (laughs) free the uyghurs yikes well well i'm glad you're still liking it yep uh what else have i done so do you agree that it just constantly gets better like on average like the 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 average like if you take the running average yeah (laughs) yeah i'd say it is there's episodes i mean there's episodes that i've liked quite a bit all Mm -hmm. through but on average i'm more into it now yeah i'm so uh, honestly i just can't get over how relieved i am that you like the show (laughs) because i was so ready for you to just like not like it say yeah it's a defined show Mm -hmm. i don't get the hype and I'm just like, I'm so happy that you're just enjoying it. Mm-hmm. It's such a good show. It's good. It's yeah. good stuff. All right. Anything else? I saw a movie. Yeah. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about it. Towards my end of mine. Yeah. Uh, anything else beyond that? Don't think so. Cool. I have continued to read comics. Classic. Whoa. You? Comics? <laughs> what? Um, I don't remember what I've talked about because I've just been reading so much. Uh, I finished... So I know I talked about the the Earth Two thing. Mm-hmm. Then I read the Aquaman stuff. Right. Had I finished the Aquaman run? I think so. Okay, I'm gonna assume I have. It gets so uh, I don't know if I have. In case I haven't, the so it's the full the Aqu not the full Aquaman run. The Aquaman mm-hmm. up to forty when in twenty. 15 they like stopped the new 52 branding mm-hmm. and then had convergence and then kind of continued um so i'm reading up through issue number 40 of everything or through that day and aquaman so kind of the whole arc is that he's this guy that chose not to be the king mm-hmm. and then the first 16 to 18 issues are him kind of trying to avoid being the king and then the king his brother half brother orm shows up and then you get the throne of atlantis storyline which is atlantis versus the justice league and him in the middle which is a really good line mm-hmm. um uh or run um because it 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 really delves into aquaman's conflicts between the sea and the and the land mm-hmm. um 
after that, after Throne of Atlantis, he decides to take up the crown. Mm-hmm. Um, one, because it's his birthright, and two, because Orm is now in prison <laughs> for, yeah. for war crimes against humanity. Yep. Um, horrible things. Horrible things. <laughs> um, so one would say that San Francisco was a war-torn... Oh my god. Uh So, yeah, so he's king and then the the next two volumes are basically Atlantis rejecting him as king. Both mm-hmm. as a, a, a figuratively the people and literally Atlantis actually rejecting him hmm. by causing natural disasters every time he's in Atlantis. Um, they, they explore this interesting thing about how whenever Atlanteans die, their, inner, their spirits actually go into Atlantis uh-huh. and Atlantis does have a living memory. Okay. Um, and it doesn't like that. And the whole thing is that it turns out he's actually not the full rightful. It, it's a game of Thrones esque. Like he's actually not the heir to the throne. Mm-hmm. If we're talking exclusively about Atlantis, because it goes back to his ancestors mm-hmm. who, his great great to the nth degree grandfather killed his brother who was the rightful king uh-huh. kind of thing but they've always been this thing and then but you know who the rightful king is this person's got their butt on the chair n- no because it's scavenger put his butt on the chair scavenger makes an appearance for t- three issues and then just d- nothing happened i think that uh I think I'm curious what happened in the writing because maybe they wrote, they started writing the story of scavenger Mm -hmm. and then they were starting to add the seeds of this, this element that like Atlantis is rejecting him. And then, so I definitely didn't talk about this last time. Right. (laughs) Uh, and then they decided that that's a really interesting route to go. Cause it is, it's a really interesting route. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's an interesting story. Uh, and then, I don't really, I don't really want to spoil it because it's a good enough run. They have Jeff Johns on, so it's a, Mm -hmm. it's a good run. Um, and if anyone wants to go read it, kind of that's the that's the idea. And it, it does have a really good kind of ending element. But what I'm glad they did is I was concerned that when I got to mid-volume two and it was still people didn't like him. Mm-hmm. By about volume six, Atlantis, the people have kind of come around to him. And yeah. the, his advising council is a little bit more loyal to him. And mm-hmm. there was an assassination attempt and there's some like interesting political stuff. There's some okay politics. Huh? Like, it's not... It's not a Game of Thrones season one through three kind of politics no. thing, but like, it's what is. That's true. It's better than Star Wars Episode One politics. <laughs> That's a real high bar you hit, there, buddy. <laughs> um, but no, it's interesting, and it, it it didn't. I guess I'm just need to allow comics to not overplay their hand when it comes to some aspect mm-hmm. of storytelling. Yeah, because comics sometimes do that, and maybe I've just had a bad experience with them, and. Maybe because when I'm reading, I'm like, I really hope they don't just stick to this and it gets overdone. But then they move it on right about the time where I'm like, hey, please move on. Yeah. Um, a lot of these people are quite good at their jobs, as yeah. it turns out. Turns out. Uh, and then I read, have started reading The Flash now that I have The Flash stuff. Stop. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so you. I've read the first three volumes before. Because mm-hmm. I had those. Right. And they're pretty interesting because the first volume is kind of 
just him living and doing nothing and like learning about the speed force. And then it adds a new element of the speed force towards the end that the speed force is an energy, basically a ball of energy Mm -hmm. that it's constantly growing and moving and, and, and it's a, it's space and time and thing. And it's constantly Mm -hmm. growing and doing energy and stuff. And it, fucks everything up in time mm-hmm. and so it's the reason that the it's an, it's reason number 623 in comics why the mayan civilization has disappeared <laughs> oh okay. comics do that all the time comics are weird man comics explain things like every time there's something unexplainable they're like hey we can explain it i mean yeah comics are the the modern day mythology basically yeah that's it yeah so like the this element of the speed force is the fact that Barry Allen needs to run, so he's the main, the avatar of the speed force, and he needs to run, and because when he runs, it kind of saps that energy and stops it from doing weird things, mm-hmm. and so he stops running. He was like, "Oh, I think I'm causing these problems," so he stopped running, and things got way worse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he's like, "Oh shit, I need to continue running," and then it does a good job of seeding the plot of Gorilla Grodd. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause he shows up at the, uh, at Gorilla City and, uh, you know, comics, uh, it's pretty comic booky right there. Yeah. He shows up at Gorilla City and they worship the speed force. And so he shows up and he's like this prophet thing that they've been foreseeing the whole time. And Grodd's mm-hmm. like, ah, I'm going to j- kill you and be the speed force guy. Cause I want it. Cause power. And Barry's like, cause Grodd rhymes with God. Leap Grodd. Leap God and Leap God. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for people who don't know about that, uh, in Injustice and Injustice 2, uh, Ar- in Injustice 1, Ares has this thing called God Slam or something like that, mm-hmm. where it's basically he does a big old jump, but it's a big enough jump where he can jump over the person. Mm-hmm. And so with Injustice, when you go to the other side of a person, it's a, it's Mortal Kombat. When you go to the other side of the person, the person immediately flips. Mm-hmm. And so if you have two people playing Ares, you can keep doing that ability over and over again. It's two, them jumping over each other. And we call it Leap God. And then <laughs> when Justice 2 came out, they gave that ability to Grodd, yep. which is just perfect. Yeah. Because now it's Leap Grodd. <laughs> it's just amazing. <laughs> and I'm curious to see who gets the ability in 3. Uh... What else can we rhyme with? What if they make it a frog guy? <laughs> There's no frog enemies I can't that I can think of. Uh, Marvel's got that one, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's not what movie we're talking about. Uh, <laughs> so it does some interesting stuff. Then uh, it's the rogues is like, they do some really good storytelling with the rogues mm-hmm. uh, where uh, I'm not going to talk about it. They just do good, some good storytelling with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they do Grodd. Grodd invades and there's this whole thing and, uh, you're in it setting the stage for their first enemy speedster. Okay. Uh, the, the first new 52 version of reverse flash. All right. And this one is very different because previous reverse flash that I've read, it's just another flash that's evil. Mm-hmm. This one is more, uh, the reverse is more justified okay. because he can actually reverse time. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's things he'll do there. Like the first, your first show, uh, shot of it is, um, someone's writing a note and he wants to kill that person. There's reasons he, he's like a serial killer mm-hmm. and he's like writing, se- she's writing things down and then you s- start seeing his monologue bubble and she, it starts getting unwritten mm-hmm. and then she dies. And so like he has the, he can actually do reverse things. Like sometimes like this flash always says like constantly move forward. But sometimes you got to put things in reverse. Ah! 
end of the issue. It's <laughs> plot twist or uh, not plot twist. Um, cliffhanger. Yeah. Um, and I know where they got the inspiration for Barry Allen in the in the Flash show because his whole the reverse is Flash's whole deal. Different motives, but very similar stuff. Where he wants to go back in time, he goes back in time to kill somebody, kill someone's parent, mm-hmm. but it only makes things worse or something because, okay. like, like in the in the CW show, the Reverse Flash went back in time to kill Barry's mom and frame his dad, which is what happened. His mm-hmm. mom died and his dad was framed, um, or was thought to be guilty. Um, but in the show, Reverse Flash just wants to... He's constantly wanting to be better, so he needs the Flash to exist so that he can ask someone to challenge him. Mm-hmm. Um, in the book, it's a guy who... It's actually Iris West's brother who uh, was beaten as a child mm-hmm. and wants to go back to kill his dad because he's like, look at what he did to us. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a more like emotional... Like They actually do a pretty good job telling that story of like making him kind of a... a um, uh, a sympathetic villain mm-hmm. rather than just like a serial killer, Eobard Um So it's uh, Michael. No. Daniel, Daniel West, who okay. does not make an appearance in the show at all. Um, but there's some interesting, like, whoops, I just kicked the shit out of the- man. Now I don't only have the mic to kick. I have the camera to kick. Perfect. Yay. Um, the thing that I like about, the difference between the comic and the show, because there's a lot of stuff. So basically, Barry Allen, his mom was killed when he was a kid, and his dad was thought to be in prison. So the guy who's the cop uh, who kind of saw that took Barry in and started raising him. Mm-hmm. So he's not, he's kind of, he's a father figure, but doesn't call him dad. He calls him by his, right. uh, Daryl, he calls him by his first name and like kind of looked up to him. And his dad becomes the police captain and he gets it, and Barry gets a job in the lab and stuff like that. It fits mm-hmm. with both the show and the comics. Um, the thing is, in the, in the show, Iris is this dad's daughter, actual daughter. Mm-hmm. So Barry grew up with Iris. So later when they start having sex, it's like kind of having sex with somewhat your stepsister. So Pornhub stuff going on there. Oh, and I then <laughs> uh, I kicked the mic again, or the, not the mic, the camera. Um, but in the comic, they're completely different. Mm-hmm. So it makes more sense. And also, he's actually not even interested in Iris, but Iris is interested in him. And but he's actually dating uh, Patty uh, um, Spivet, Patty Spivet, who shows up in the show later. There's a lot of like related stuff with the comic and the new the two run in the show, which mm-hmm. makes sense because they happen roughly at the same time. The comics are way better. <laughs> Who'd have thunk? Because they make more sense. It's not him wanting to bang his stepsister. Basically, it's him mm-hmm. being like dating someone who's an interesting counterpoint to him, mm-hmm. while another a reporter who is interested in him is wanting to date and she is constantly being put next to patty spivet so there's just like this jealousy thing and there's like little love triangle going on and it's it feels organic and not forced and also doesn't feel sexist doesn't feel like they're just love interests for the sake of love interests Mm -hmm. they carry their own damn weight that's for sure all right um but no it's good i I'm, i'm really liking it uh it does however have the unfortunate problem where when it finishes a uh, a storyline it it feels it feels fine enough to stop reading mm-hmm. like they don't it's not something like where wonder woman where it just keeps going and you're just like holy right. shit this is never gonna end it's like kind of more self-contained but seeding the storylines earlier on stuff like right. that so right now i'm kind of at a little like step back because 
it just finished a big reverse flash storyline mm-hmm. and i don't know what's coming next so i don't really have like a reason to really want to dig in i mean i want to because i want to read more right but there's not like a, oh i need to know what comes next right so uh other than that uh i've watched blade runner 49 2049 Again. 2049 times. 2049 times with my new speaker system. Yeah. Um, and I think that's it. Oh, I started watching Chernobyl again because mm. I'm showing my girlfriend. I need to watch that. I showed her the first episode of Game of Thrones and she's not on board because huh. she doesn't like gore. Right. More so than a lot of people. So she's just like not I, I thought it would be easier than i thought but no she's she said she's not opposed to it she'll want to watch it but she just needs a break so we watched the first episode of chernobyl mm-hmm. she's more into that one okay she didn't know what chernobyl was so i was just like oh yeah let's watch chernobyl and then she's like so where are they <laughs> and i'm like oh i guess because i didn't know really know what chernobyl was until i actually took a class for my degree mm-hmm. that we used chernobyl as a case study mm. So, like, I think people just don't really know what it is. And a lot of people don't, actually, apparently. Because it was big for our parents. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. But. Maybe y'all are just oblivious. We also watched New Mutants. Boy, did we. Uh, Two-sentence review, go. Uh, I think we kind of objectively agreed that it's a fairly mediocre movie with some pluses and some minuses. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But I admit it's a flawed movie. It's It's basically... We had described it in our actual full-length review, which you, yes, you should check out. Mm-hmm. Is um, it's a uh, it's kind of a chamber piece superhero movie. There's yeah. a very limited cast, very limited setting, uh, very limited stakes, and it kind of works as sort of a character drama in that setup, that structure. Um, but it does have some pretty obvious flaws, and it's it's not going to blow you away, either like action-wise or horror-wise or theme-wise, drama-wise. That was vastly more than two sentences. And well, I was trying to riff a little bit because you were standing up. That's true. <laughs> um, Give me your sentence review. It's a movie that was filmed to be a great movie, but edited to be a terrible movie. Mm-hmm. That, like, we, we talk, again, Yeah, you should go check out our review because I think it's the one we've d- we dig dug most into very fine detail about the specifics of the movie and the construction of the movie. Mm -hmm. And there's just like, I really think that the, it was filmed and the first cut of it, the rated R cut was an amazing movie, Mm -hmm. but just how much Disney wanted to cut it out, cut out the rated R parts and make it PG 13 just took away all of the good parts of it. Like Mm -hmm. not really the good parts of it, but took away the parts that made the good parts better. They took out they took out enough of the bones that the thing kind of started to collapse into yeah. a heap of mush. There's just there's just missing stuff. Yeah, and and it's it's the most deplorable idea of missing things. Like you watch the movie and it literally feels like there's a five minute scene missing. Yeah, like you watch a scene and then you watch the next scene and it's like, wait, it feels like there needed to have been a five minute scene there that they yeah. probably was yeah. that just got chopped out yeah. because maybe there was nudity or maybe there was one too many f bombs. Mm-hmm. Like just Disney just ruined it. Um, so it's a to me a bad movie. <laughs> I like I so uh we talked about our ratings. Uh, I rated it a four on IMDb, mm-hmm. uh, which I looked at all the other things I rated for, and that's Thor, Dark World. What were the other ones? Uh, 
Iron Man 2, mm-hmm. like just the ones that if I have to watch an X-Men series, I'll watch like all the way through. I'll watch that. Right. But I'm not going to go seek it out. Yep. I rated it. Uh, I ended up settling in on a six. Okay. It's, um, I enjoyed watching it. I'm not going to actively seek it out again. Gotcha. So yeah. slots in with, uh, Thor, the dark world and, yeah. uh, uh, not Iron Man 2. I think that's more of a five for me. Mm. The first, the first part of the movie is pretty good. Yeah. Like you talked about that. First half of Iron Man 2 is awesome. Yeah. First half. First half. Second half. Little Army Hammer. Not Army Hammer. Justin Hammer. God damn it. Should have been a great character. He <laughs> sort of was. You know what was a great character? What's that? His pant legs when he does that little like disco dancey thing on the... You're just really into that. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's just so flashy and like... It's the... one of the... Everyone has little things that tickle their brain in the yeah. exact right way, and that's that one just That one just gets me. It gets my goat. It gets my goose. Don't know why. Gets my goat goose. Yep. <laughs> goose goat. Uh, yeah, that's what we've been up to. All right. Uh, go check out the review. Absolutely. Uh, news. News. Do we want to start with the gloomy, the sad, like the really sad news, or do we want to end on that? <laughs> let's, uh, let's start with that. All right. Rest in peace, the king. Yeah. That, that it just I feel like a part of me knew so for people who don't know um Chadwick Boseman <laughs> why did my brain think John Boyega <laughs> Chadwick Boseman died yesterday two days ago technically yeah. for when this releases 43 43 from colon cancer that he's been battling since 2016 yep and part of me knew this that that he was struggling with that Cause he's yeah. been like, he's been on and off while filming black Panther stuff. He's been on and off with like chemo and treatments and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, no, he passed away Yeah, on Friday. He's, um, he's really coming into his own as an actor. Yeah. You know, he had his, his big defining role as black Panther, but he's had some good solid, mm-hmm. like normal movies, I guess. Yeah. Um, 21 bridges, 21 bridges, just a fine normal movie. Yeah. Um, he's apparently really good in *The Five Bloods*, which is the Spike Lee movie that mm. came out on Netflix a couple months ago. I'll probably sit down and watch that at some point this week. Um, he's played Jackie Robinson pretty well in that movie about Jackie Robinson that was just well done but kind of boring. Yeah. Um, yeah, he should have gone on and had another twenty or thirty good years of acting in him. Yeah. But that's the first. Uh, I posted on a group. I mean, they were right that we've had like. I said, arguably, this is the first death of our generation of a of a household of someone who became a household name for our generation. Um, yeah, but for movies, for like movies and stuff specifically, because mm-hmm. uh, Mac Miller was apparently the one of those for us for music. I'm still not entirely clear who that was. He's uh, he's a uh, hip hop artist. I wouldn't even say rapper. He does rap, mm-hmm. but he's a hip hop artist that. Um, even I like his music. Like I'm not a hip hop person, but it's just mm-hmm. like he does what he like. He's one of the few people that have really earned their own name. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt uh, Andrew was telling me some of this that like what rappers will tend to do is for their first album they'll pay like thousands of dollars to get someone like Drake or Kanye to feature on one of their things, and that's how they get their name out. Mm-hmm. Miller didn't do any of that. He like he did. He released his first full album when he was 18, and it was immediately a hit. And he mm-hmm. just just gained his own popularity and his music is just all about like substance, like his struggle with substance abuse and dr- and depression and stuff like that. Like it's really mm-hmm. deep music for him. And it's something that connected with a lot of people. Um, it's not 
booty ho tits yo fuck the bitches and stuff like <laughs> like the, the do that again please. no i'm not On gonna camera. do that again right, come over here and do, no do <laughs> you don't get the people don't get to see the dance i just did um that people like you know kanye uh yeah. do and shit like that his is his his is more like lyrical mm-hmm. um yeah. stuff like that so he's he was really impactful yeah but so he was probably one of the like the big like our generation because yeah a lot of actors have been dying but they've been people that came into household name household namity <laughs> yeah uh yeah. when our parents were our age right um so like yeah we know princess leia but princess leia was the thing for our parents right and stuff like that but this is the first one like black panther was our generation yeah he went from basically obscurity to um household name yeah in our in our time yeah. basically and so it hit me a lot harder than all the other ones. Like, oh, yeah. man, what a shame they died. But they were also goddamn 98. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 43? 43. All right. Other news. Less less sad news. Other news. Um, we didn't talk about this when it happened for some reason, but the, uh, the Avatar The Last Airbender creators left the Netflix show. Yes. Thoughts? Oh, this show's going to be so fucking bad. Like I, because so there's a live action, uh, live action show happening of Avatar: The Last Airbender mm-hmm. on Netflix, and they had the two original creators with a lot of creative control on there. Mm-hmm. Cool. That means they're gonna stick to it. They didn't have any involvement in the M Night Shyamalan, and we know how that ended. Mm-hmm. Um. So this was like the first time where we go, cool. We're actually gonna get like an interesting, like they're gonna do a couple changes, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe do maybe bring it a little bit more mature that we've talked about. Bring it a little more mature when it comes to trusting your audience, and you don't have to exposit some stuff. Maybe mm-hmm. cut out some things, add a little bit more nuance with the characters, stuff like that. Flesh out some things a little bit more. But overall, it's gonna be the main same same main story. Mm-hmm. Then. We found out that both creators left at the same time, mm-hmm. citing massive creative differences, mm-hmm. which can only mean that Netflix wants to do things that they don't like that on their property. Mm-hmm. If we were to trust one of the two, I would trust the creators with their own property. And I think that we're going to get something vastly different. And I like the thing that bothers me is, I don't think the creators, I don't think Netflix would go to the creators and say, hey, we want to change some stuff. And they go, no, we're doing our story. We're not doing a story. I feel like the creators are good enough creators that they would go, okay, you want to do something different? Let's see if this is something that works with the world and fits and it would be a good story. I don't know. But if Netflix came and they said, hey, we want to do this stuff and they go, no, that's not in the vein of our world. Like that doesn't Mm -hmm. fit with either the rules because they have rules pretty much for the bending. That doesn't fit with the characters. Like, there's no way Aang would do that. That just doesn't fit with that, something mm-hmm. like that. And they go, well, we're going to do that. And they go, well, we're going to leave. I feel like that's what happened. Could be. I, I don't know. It just, the way that yeah. all of their tweets were and the way that uh, Netflix released their own statement mm-hmm. tells me that there was a lot of tension. There's some real fighting there, yeah. Um, And I think it's just going to be a disaster. I think not only is it... um do I think that them leaving is going to be is, is a bad omen for the quality of the story? But also I think it just takes the wind out of the show because mm-hmm. the fans were the wind behind the show going, Holy shit. You have the creators. This is amazing. We're going to love this. Mm-hmm. Them leaving 
took away their entire fan base. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just going to be a disaster. Okay. I think it's going to be a, a five at best. All right. I'm going to be optimistic. I think this is good news. Um, I think it's entirely possible that these are creators that are too attached to a particular vision of their creation and they're not willing to let it grow and spread its wings and become something new. Um, and Netflix probably going to take some risks with it. And maybe those risks will pay off. Maybe they won't. But regardless, they're trying to do something. Mm-hmm. And uh, my guess is that the the original creators of the show were they were too too zoned in on their particular vision and they it netflix thinks that that would lend itself to being stale or um just unoriginal basically um so netflix actually like pushing it to the point where the the original creators left means that they trust their own vision Mm -hmm. which is something um i think there's a good chance this could turn out very badly but I'm not going to take it as an absolute. This will be a disaster guaranteed. I I think there's some there's some room for some optimism in here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I am we'll searching see. for news that I saw. Here we go. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's uh, we'll see we'll see what we get for more information on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a two part Batman: The Long Halloween animated movie confirmed. Hmm. Okay. I think it'll be fine. Sure. Like the all the animated they've been doing animated movies based on original stories. They did the Death of Superman and that mm-hmm. whole saga. And they've been modernizing it. Yeah. And which is good. Like that's just doing the same story would be lame, but like they did Gotham by Gaslight, but they changed the ending and it was still a good story. They did um uh Killing Joke and they made Batman have sex with Batgirl, which was really uncomfortable and no one liked it. Um they did Judas Contract. Right. Uh, and they made a couple changes to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, overall, like they make changes to these animated movies and they work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, uh, I think this is going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a good story and I'm wondering, I'm wondering if they're going to do darkest night and then dark victory. They're going to kind of combine them into two dark victory is the one that follows. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to kind of combine those two into one maybe cause maybe so is so long Halloween is not particularly long, but Dark Victory is kind of short after, isn't it? They're about the same length. They're about the same? Okay. So maybe it will just be uh, that. But, I mean, what they're probably just going to do is they're probably just going to fill out some of the other ongoings of the side villains that don't actually play a part in it, Um, which will be fun. Mm -hmm. Maybe they'll throw in elements of other stories that could fit in well, but honestly, I trust them. Like, the animated movies have been doing well. Um, These are going to be unrelated to the... Like I'm cu- uh, the the thing that's interesting about it is they did Apocalypse uh Dark Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. Mm-hmm. Uh and that was kind of the end of the quote unquote MCU of the DC animated stuff. It's kind of a culmination of all the other ones. Right. Um so this is kind of the first animated movie that's expected to come out after that that I can think of. Um I think there's another one maybe. There's something there's something there's else something. planning yeah. to come out. I don't remember um, what it was. But no, I think it'll be fine. Yeah, probably. Yeah. There's supposed to be a live action Powerpuff Girls movie. Are they going to like Alita it with weird CGI faces and giant eyes? I have no goddamn clue. It's going to be weird. I I don't know how they're going to, if they're going to get young girls to play it and it's just going to be weird, bad acting or they're going to make them older and it's going to be like a Kim possible situation where it's just uncomfortable. Um, I don't know what the fuck they're planning on doing. 
Movies mm. just need to stop announcing movies. Yeah. Because surprise us. We walk into a movie theater one day and oh look, all of a sudden it's a Powerpuff Girls movie. Yeah. Well, not like going to see a random movie and it happens to be a Powerpuff Girls. Like surprises with trailers and stuff. Yeah. But it's really hard to do that. It's gonna get leaked anyway. Yeah, I mean we see production stuff and some some yeah. PA is gonna sell it for a hundred bucks to yeah. TMZ or something. Some dude's just gonna say it like it's gonna get word of a powerpuff like the like project code mojo jojo is gonna come across someone's yeah um payroll thing and they're gonna be like oh shit powerpuff girls movie and then it just leads to speculation on what it all is and yeah so might as well just so i guess don't stop announcing things yep. stay ahead of the leaks yep that'll um, be fine did we get our uh our no we didn't not okay. the riddler thing so what is, what does a liar do when he's dead lies still it's a pun. Ha. We lost our audio, so we're yeah. recapping the stuff yep. that we did again. <laughs> um, yeah. No. Yeah. So it's I. I. There was part of me that wanted this to be Clue Master because I like using underused villains, mm-hmm. but it's clearly Riddler. Yeah. Um. And I don't think Warner Media expected the internet to not uncode that or not decode no. decipher that. They, you know, they they show it. They make it pretty obvious. Hey, here's this thing. They're almost laying something out there to get people engaged, keep the buzz perpetuated. Wondering if that's not even in the movie. I feel like they put too much effort in the end, the sound and stuff like that. I'm thinking it will be. Yeah. yeah. But I really hope that it's the Riddler. All the Riddler's riddles actually play to its plan, his plan Mm -hmm. rather than Jim Carrey Riddler, where it's just like, I'm just going to shoot a whole bunch of people while saying like, what gets wetter as it dries? <laughs> it's just like, I want a Riddler that's that he's not the Riddler just because he likes being telling riddles. Um, well, we talked about that. The thing, the, the, the joy of Riddler is the fact that he is this, like, he's this egotistical. He's smarter than it. He's the smartest guy in the room. And he's, he wants to prove it. He wants yeah. to prove it. So he's going to either set traps with it or egg people on with his riddles um i like the one in the arkham games where he's just like unhinged and needs to prove to batman that he's smarter than him mm-hmm. um and maybe that could be a sequel thing where they do the first move this movie is riddler kind of doing whatever he's doing not really knowing the extent of batman and then he gets thwarted and then the next movie is like ah i have to prove that i'm smarter than batman mm-hmm. and so it just becomes this like constantly trying to stump batman by saying ah here's a riddle that the answer is where the person will die in also the like that'd be, interesting really tells a riddle and the answer to the riddle tells you when where and how a person's gonna die mm-hmm. and he has to solve that riddle or he's not gonna save the person and that's mm-hmm. like he's like haha i this person will end up dead if you if i'm smarter than you mm-hmm. and stakes yeah they're gonna die by stakes yes Are they a vampire? they're a vampire yeah okay i mean batman's got some vampire yeah. loose analogs there's been haven't there been like vampire dracula or batman dracula yeah and like the one of those like feels like an extreme 90s kind of thing to do oh yeah well there's an even an even an animated movie speaking of uh that has him Mm -hmm. he's a vampire all right other news uh let's see um apparently there is a little bit of something you can see in the background of the suicide squad teaser that has led some fans to speculate that starro is going to be the villain <gasps> that is the perfect villain for this that'd be good yeah oh yes well because then you get like you get the moment where star was like haha i'm gonna stick a starfish on several of their faces and take them over and then mm-hmm. waller just goes 
all right, blows their neck. Yeah. <laughs> that takes care of several of them. Yeah, there you go. I dig it. Yeah. There's a, if you, I don't know if you can see the picture. I'm going to, I'm gonna you're going to, he's going to come over and look at it. You can see kind of in the background behind that person's that arm. Definitely that's Starro. definitely a starfish on someone's that face right definitely there. Definitely Starro. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's going to be good. Okay. Here's the thing. Would you rather them do, because uh, the newer versions of Starro is a person with a star on their face. And uh, Well, actually, I don't know. So in the Forever Evil where you get this like four page long spread of all of the villains, mm-hmm. there is a person that represents Starro, but it's a person with a starfish on their face. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that is Starro or that's a person that Starro has sent as a liaison to that. Uh. Um, oh man, that's going to be, if they do the fi- fucking giant starfish, I'm all for it. Heck yes. That sounds, that sounds like such a James Gunn thing to do. Totally would be. <laughs> this is the dude, remember, that put Ego the Living Planet in his Guardian of the Galaxies movie. Yeah, that's and, true. Like, actually has the planet with work. the face. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. All right. I'm into it. I'm I'm so into it. I'm I'm ready for that movie too. Yeah. I'm ready for the movies that are coming out. Notice I said movies, not miniseries. <laughs> Fuck you, Snyder Cut. <laughs> it's a movie. It's just a movie that's been chopped into four separate pieces to be released on a streaming medium because reasons. Stupid. People are stupid. I'm kind of excited for it. <sighs> Whatever. It'll have a coherent vision. Will it though? Probably. We got BVS, the his cut. Got a VVS, and that didn't have a coherent vision. It had a coherent vision. It just wasn't a very good one. All right. I'll give you that one. Any other news? Don't think so. Hey, Matt. Hey, Preston. So we went to see New Mutants, right? Apparently. So I'm told. Yep. And uh, I didn't like it. And you kind of liked it. I had fun. And there was like... And it, it kind of harkens to the, the overarching thing that we deal with where... Like, back when we watched Hobbs and Shaw, Mm -hmm. I just didn't enjoy it. But you're like, you know what? I just shut my brain off, and I enjoyed it. Yeah. How does that work? Like, do people have an inherent ability to be able to adjust their brain and their expectations and what they're watching for in any given media, maybe listening Mm -hmm. for, to enjoy it for what it is? Like, what's, what's, what's that all about? So I've actually, I've got this little analog switch on the back of my head. You can see right here. <laughs> Smart just... Matt, dumb Matt. Yeah. And there's yeah. like an in-between setting, but mm-hmm. yeah. No, yeah. That's that's basically it. All right. That answers my question. All right. Shall we? We shall. <laughs> okay. No. So actually, um, I think I think in order to start this, we need to go back and think about what it means to actually watch a movie smartly. Okay. Intelligently? Intelligently. Yeah. Or no. Intellectually. In mm, critically, critically, there's that's the word. We don't want to. We don't want to call people who don't watch movies critically intelligent because they I don't can want to call my girlfriend an intelligent well, because that's just me in the doghouse for a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, just because you don't do some a particular thing intelligently doesn't mean you're unintelligent. All right, that's fair. But I still like critically. Yeah, watching a movie critically. That's yeah. That's a good way to put it. Okay. So your average movie fan, the person who doesn't actually think about movies that much, they're the person that goes to two movies a year and they think Transformers is fine. They are the sort of person that they haven't learned to like actually switch on their brain when they're watching something a little headier. Yeah. And so something like Inception is just going to be like, well, I don't know, the visuals are cool, but I didn't really understand what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of that thing. Um, and so and they're not going to appreciate kind of the more serious stuff, like uh, something like The Hunt. They'll be like, oh, it's a story. 
Yeah. There's a guy. It's boring. Didn't like it. No action. I don't think anyone can think the hunt is boring. I think. Oh, believe me. People can. Think about your people who think, oh, Transformers is great. Look, lights, noise. Pirates of the Caribbean, so funny. Jack Sparrow. Ha ha ha. I've got the jar of death. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. There's your average moviegoer doesn't think about movies on a serious level. They don't engage with the themes. They don't engage with um, character development or writing or any of these like actual things that we think about. So is it, would you think that that is because people choose to use movies as escapism and they want it simplicity or that they just don't view movies as anything more than escapism. So they don't think about it. It's I've got of, a point with that one. I think it's kind of a self-perpetuating cycle of people. I, I think your default state is basically you just watch it to be entertained by the pretty lights and colors. Mm-hmm. Like that's how you watch a movie when you're six years old yeah. and you don't grow out of, uh, grow out of that unless you make an active effort to grow out of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because that's certainly the case that like the, the so I got into a conversation about movies being political statements, mm-hmm. and the person I was having a conversation with about just didn't like it when a political statement was like kind of shoved down her throat, mm-hmm. which is understandable, but it's also missing, and that's what the reason I ask is like, do people do you think it's because people don't think that it should be capital L literature or capital mm-hmm. F film rather than escapism, or they just don't think that it is. So it confuses them when there is a movie that's capital L literature, or capital F film. I think they probably see it as two different things. There's the, the fun movies that they enjoy that are entertaining. And then there's the boring movies that pretentious people like, because they like being pretentious to the other pretentious people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's almost a class warfare kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but in sort of an intellectually stratified way. Yeah. So when so right now the for, to serve the ultimate point of this episode I guess we're kind of looking at the two different ways people will yeah the two different kinds sort of people of, and it's it is definitely more of a spectrum I think yeah um but just being but able I think to, in order to talk about a spectrum you need to establish the two ends of the spectrum exactly and so the two ends of the spectrum are someone who doesn't need anything more than pirates or transformers. Mm-hmm. They will be entertained by whatever schlock they put on the screen. Yep. Um, to someone who... Um, Every movie needs to be finely crafted, yep. have have capital T themes, yep. have uh, capital C character, yeah. have capital K character. <laughs> I almost said K. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, every they, they dig into that with every movie. Yeah, like, it's, it's meaningless unless it's art house french new wave yeah nonsense. i don't want to talk about the french new wave <laughs> no take me away from that movie <laughs> oh i love that one oh. <laughs> uh, um yeah if you no. know you know yep uh, uh you looked at my camera <laughs> <laughs> we're still getting used to this whole thing yeah um, um yeah, so there's kind of those two extremes, and being able to modulate yourself between those extremes to adapt to the particular thing you're watching is, mm-hmm. I think it's a learnable skill. Yeah. It's definitely, like, the process of being able to do that first, you need to be able to, I think I'm still in this stage, with that first stage of being able to move on that spectrum, mm-hmm. is, like, focus wholeheartedly on trying to get to that other end of the spectrum. Yeah. Because you, you need to be yep. able to 
get every bit out of the movie yeah. before you can start to be able to move on that spectrum. Because I, I, it's going to sound a little condescending, but it is a progression from base level watching a movie, like like you watch it as a six year old, yeah. to watching it as someone who's mature and trying to actually understand, understand it. Yeah, and well, and, appreciate and I, don't, it. I feel like it's it's you really don't even need to justify it being condescending because mm-hmm. it is. It's it's more complicated. Yeah. And saying it's more complicated doesn't mean that, like, if I was talking to a person that just likes Transformers and Pirates, Mm -hmm. like, you're not looking at them and going, oh, it's more complicated. You wouldn't understand it. Saying this is a more complicated side of it Mm -hmm. that you, by whatever reason, have not made it to the, have not tried to go, whether you don't want to or, Mm -hmm. well, I feel like it's, or you don't know it's there. Right. A lot of people are at that level. They think this stuff is, it's just, it's, it's and pretentious basically yeah, it's they, it's it's yeah. bad movie because like movies are meant to be entertaining and flashy and mm-hmm. like and loud yeah and then so when they go to see let's say like ladybird mm-hmm. it's just like all right i mean the story's pretty pretty interesting but like i don't feel like i escaped yeah and they just they grew up with this idea and there's nothing to pull them out of that bubble of movies are escapism right it's yeah it's it's going from entertainment in sort of the pure classic entertainment sense to mm-hmm. almost intellectual stimulation yeah. as entertainment. Cause I mean, that's kind of what it is for us at this point. It's mm-hmm. like, it's, I can turn off my brain and be entertained. You haven't acquired that skill I, yet. Correct. We'll, yes. we'll get to it. But yeah, for someone like us watching it, like a serious movie, a ladybird or the hunt or mm-hmm. something like that, it is intellectual stimulation. It's engaging with the ideas that it's putting on the screen. It's mm-hmm. engaging with the craftsmanship that it's using yep. to build the story, thinking about how they present it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, really the first step is getting from base level, watching a movie. This is going to be kind of an oversimplification going from seeing a movie to watching a movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, oh no. I, I think that's a really good way of putting it. That it's like, like passive to active. Yeah, exactly. Like to, when watching New Mutants, I was keeping track of character arcs, what mm-hmm. we what we, what they established early on about all the characters and where mm-hmm. where I think that they're going to go with it. Mm-hmm. We established plot where what the what the what the themes of the plot is like. What's what are they trying to tell you? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at uh, like music and how the music plays into it. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at straight up dialogue. I'm looking at backstory, like all mm-hmm. these tiny elements that play into the story that are things you need to read into to understand it fully. Right. And Transformers and Pirates spell that out for you. Yeah. Um, and, th- and there's nothing wrong with it. There are movies that just spell it out for you sometimes. Like mm-hmm. even like Blade Runner 2049, just sometimes there's a couple elements yeah. that are the really important ones that they just spell out. Yeah. Like just tell you. National Treasure is kind of a, a, a classic example of a movie that is just baseline entertainment and it kind of just lays everything out for you and tells you a little straightforward story with some chase scenes and some mm-hmm. entertainment and some decent music. And you know, it's great. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. There's fun. nothing to it, but it's fun. Yeah. It's good entertainment. Yep. But then that next step is you... being able to see it for those things. Right. So the first step is what is, is seeing a movie, I would say. Yeah. The second step is being able to watch the movie yep. with elements uh, like being able to start to notice all these things. Like, mm-hmm. And it really just takes experience. It's, I'm a case study of that, mm-hmm. that at the beginning of our podcast, I could only see a movie. Right. 
But now I'm able to start watching a movie. And I, and I think New Mutants was that really first moment where the whole time I was able to pick up on a lot of the stuff. Yeah. I only I didn't really pick up on the music much. Uh, there, there wasn't was a, a lot to the music, honestly. Yeah. It's kind of just... Well, that, and that's the thing. It's being able to identify that mm-hmm. there's not a lot to it. Right. Um, and But I was able to identify that the character arcs are not fantastic. Mm-hmm. That the plot is kind of thin. Mm-hmm. Like, stuff like that. I was You're able to start to identify things of that nature where uh and and i think that comes with watching movies that you know have good versions of that yeah. so if you're wanting to learn about how sound design plays into the system of the movie uh, uh, into the plot mm-hmm. uh you watch dunkirk or blade runner like both blade runners or mm-hmm. like uh just quiet all- place or huh? yeah. quiet place yeah yeah where you're going Oh, interesting. Like, I noticed how they did this this one sound mm-hmm. at one point to give you tension. I, I would say you're almost getting a little ahead of yourself here. Okay. Um, the very first step you need to take is you need to turn off your phone. True. Well, I can't. It's filming. Uh, yeah, but like... <laughs> okay, hang on. I think, we're, I think we have a different idea of like... Okay, my think... Okay. I'm saying the word step. We need to figure out nomenclature here. So I guess step is an action... Mm-hmm. To move to the next stage. Yeah. Because I was thinking step as in stage. So your first stage is just seeing a movie. Right. Second stage, meaning your first step, is getting to the second stage, is being able to watch. So I'm saying like very, are you saying that there's kind of an intermediary step? Yeah. There's, okay. There's, uh, you can't just all of a sudden turn on your brain and engage yeah. with something and pick up on everything. there. You have to develop that. And the first mm-hmm. step is, it's legitimately just turn off your phone. Like mm-hmm. I've seen so many people who are perfectly capable of appreciating good movies, just not get into them at all because mm-hmm. they're checking their phone every five minutes. Yeah. And it, I know this really sounds like a, a boomer rant, but yeah, no, like, absolutely. It's just, it, it's, and it's not just your phone, just minimize distractions and engage with what's on the screen. You, okay. So I, I can give you a really great example of that. I'm not going to name a name, but I, we mm-hmm. were watching uh, game of Thrones and they had their phone on. And it was a moment where, like, mid-season one, that there was plot developed by look on someone's face. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and this person, admittedly, I could I, I could quiz them on it. And, like, during, during a show, if I look over and they're on their phone, I'll be like, hey, what just happened? And they would be like, oh, well, this thing happened. And, like, because they're listening, they're able to, like, do that. Right. But you're missing some of that stuff where y- you underestimate your ability to catch body language. Mm-hmm. And fantastic actors can really seamlessly put body language and facial reactions mm-hmm. into their acting rather than just saying the lines, they live the character. Yeah. And so if you just turn your phone off and you watch the movie, yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, that kind of amid that first step is being able to experience the acting. Yeah. Just the, the really obvious stuff, the, mm-hmm. the acting and the dialogue. Um, like if the movie cuts, like if someone, if there are three characters talking and a character says something, says, man, I hate people who do this thing. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts to the other two characters looking at each other. There's something that's pretty obvious it's that established yeah. an element about those characters yeah. that Some... you wouldn't get if you were looking at your phone, just listening to the words. Yeah. Something I think people rationally understand, but don't think about very often is the movie you see on the screen is a final product where everything that you see in here was a choice. Someone yes. decided what this was going to look like, mm-hmm. what this was going to sound like. There was a whole team of people involved in creating this very specific experience yes. so you you got to come to it on their terms a little mm-hmm. bit you've got to be willing to engage with those bits and pieces absolutely 
And you can do that with your Transformers and your Pirates movies. Yeah. That's a, it's a good place to start. Yeah. And then, I mean, MCU movies and stuff like that. Just, you know, the the entertainment that's, I don't want to call it lowest common denominator because that's not necessarily the case, but the accessible stuff. Mm-hmm. Just engage with it. Watch and there, it. and I think that comes with the, the fact that there are movies that are really good blockbusters. Mm-hmm. Blade Runner 2049, for example, is it's, a movie. It's not really a blockbuster. I, it's a, I think it's it got a, a, it has a huge, like Blade Runner had a huge cult. Like that, it lost it was, $150 million oh, and true. it's a heady three hour sci-fi movie. Yeah, I guess It's a sequel true. to a cult hit from the eighties that yeah. no one saw in theaters. It's, All right. So what's another, what's a better example? Uh, of like a, a, of a movie that does a really good job that like critics really liked it, but it's also a blockbuster. I mean, uh, Avengers, the Avengers, Avengers movies. Yeah, sure. Like you can look at it face value. They spell out the stuff, mm-hmm. but there's so much character arc when you think about it more. Yeah. And there are people. So here's an example. People liked Terrell Danvers. Mm-hmm. Critical people did not. Not so much. Not so much. And, and there's an element of that where the people who like them, they're like, oh yeah, she was cool. She's like strong and stuff. But then it's if you take that first step of just kind of like put your phone down and kind of watch for stuff, there are mm-hmm. elements of that where they're like, all right, the character arc's pretty shallow. She's over arrogant for an unearned power kind of like there's like yeah. little tiny things that if you start to talk about, you start to pick up on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this uh, th- this is getting into the part where I'm get to be a little condescending. Where yeah. I'm just like. I have my opinion and you think this other opinion that is like less developed than mine. Mm -hmm. That's not your fault. I try not to be condescending when it comes to those things because Mm -hmm. people don't, I I have taken the actual step, the action, the active motion to watch movies more. You have taken the first step on the road to enlightenment. Yes. Was that a direct quote from something or was that just being you being me? me. Uh, But yeah, no, that's that's definitely, and then I guess the next step then is being able to... Let me, let me stop you right here, because I know that there's a question ringing in a lot of people's minds right now, and that is, now hang on a second, you just said that if you see a movie, base level see it, you enjoy Carol Danvers, and if you go up a level and start actually thinking about it, you don't like her anymore. Why would I want to go up a level if I'm going to enjoy stuff less? Good question, I'm glad you brought this up. I would like to compare movies to depression. <laughs> 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 all right <laughs> people have asked me this a lot of the time like mm-hmm. I, people have actually explicitly asked me this question i've heard this question so many times if so you don't like this movie because of watching it critically why do you watch things critically if you know and that's a good question it's a very legitimate it's question. a valid question and the reason I, I i equate it to depression is because i saw this post on facebook one time that so for people that don't know i struggle with depression so i, I understand mm-hmm. this one um is depression doesn't solely make you just more sad. Mm -hmm. What it does is it actually makes you feel the emotions more intensely. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately that does come with sadness, anxiety, panic, stuff like that, where when something goes wrong, your brain just hyperdrives going down. But it comes with the bright side that, you also will sometimes like will often feel happiness more intensely mm-hmm. and it th- there is a more extreme sense of bliss when you are happy right and i would say 
that this the reason I equated that is because it 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 connects really closely to my personality. Mm-hmm. Um, it also let's look at food. Okay, you can just eat McDonald's; it's fine. Yeah, but if you start to eat fancier meals and start going to places where the chefs are like uh, Michelin star, is that what it's called? Apparently, like Michelin star level stuff where yeah. it's just like this stuff is really good, and you start to enjoy that. It's kind of harder to go back to the other stuff because you know what what is good. How many stars does the Michelin Man have? Seven point six. Good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yes, being a critical watcher makes you dislike more movies. Makes you dislike movies that are blockbusters that you would typically like if you don't watch. Yeah. But. But. Movies that are harder to enjoy when you're just what when you're just seeing a movie mm-hmm. become so much better. Yeah, it just a movie like Lady Bird, where if you're mm-hmm. just watching for like flashy, like good story, there's a good story. All right, it's fine. No. But when you start watching like the, I mean, Lady Bird's not a fantastic movie. I put it about a seven. It's a it's a good movie. It's not right. a jaw dropping movie. Let's go to uh, give me a movie that I that I've seen that's uh, an artsy one. Blade Runner 2049. Blade Runner. Okay, sure. That's that's fresh in my brain. Mm-hmm. You watch it and it's just like the sounds are loud and the music's cool and there's action and there's like and the looks awesome and there's a mm-hmm. and it's a cool story. But you complain about how slow it is and how there's yeah, too exactly. much talking and Yeah, and, and so like just seeing a movie you do kind of get bored with that. Mm-hmm. But watching a movie there's no point in that movie that's not serving a purpose. Right. And if you're able to start seeing that, yes, this takes five minutes for him to trout. Like it is flying three minutes through Las Vegas, just looking at things Mm -hmm. like just this orange cloud shade, uh, shout shroud shrouded Las Vegas. Roger Deakins earning his Oscar. Roger Deakins (laughs) earning his goddamn Oscar. (laughs) Um, it does seem boring. It's like, okay, moving on. Let's go. Let's go. I want to see what happens next. But, it serves a purpose. And yeah. when you're watching critically, it plays into it and it makes the movie girthier. <laughs> yeah. It, it uh, gives it, it, it supplements the tone. It supplements the, the pacing. It supplements really just how you're supposed to feel in that particular moment. The, the difference there is work. Like mm-hmm. there is work to, and then people, the, the question, the follow-up question mm-hmm. would then be, okay, I understand that, but it seems like a lot of work for me to just dislike a chunk of movies and like a different chunk of movies. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Sure. That's pretty much a subjective mm-hmm. uh, approach at how you want to, if you would like to just keep watching these movies, you can like watch more advanced, like complex movies. Mm-hmm. But the stories that can be told in more complex movies are so much more in depth and you'll leave thinking and like, yeah. and, and leave affected. And again, subjective. Some people don't want to watch a movie to think right. or feel something different. They just want to escape. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. There's days when I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to put on some sort of bland action movie and I put on the old guard or extraction or whatever yeah. on Netflix. And I'm like, you know what? This is all right. I can just watch it. Yep. And there's nothing wrong with that. But that is the answer to your question. Why would you want to do that? It's because I want to think more mm-hmm. with the movies. And unless I'm watching movies, there's not really much thinking. Yeah. And this just makes the movie going experience 
so much more pleasant and just yeah. thought provoking and exciting because when you see a movie like the Batman come out, mm-hmm. cool. I liked it. Like you see that the punching thing mm-hmm. that looked cool as fuck. That's yeah. my brain turned off moment. Like that looked so cool. Yeah. But then like the line where it says you're part of this and he goes, how am I part of this? And then the look on his face is just when you're watching that, you're like, Oh man, this is going to play to some heavy themes. Yeah. But if you're just seeing it, you're like, ah, cool. Villain dialogue. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, you, you get a deeper, richer experience no matter what movie you're watching. And yeah. I find even if I'm watching a bad movie that I don't enjoy, it's still a worthwhile experience for me because I get to engage with why I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I get to refine those ideas about what makes a movie good and bad. I feel like a lot of people have seen the movie Ratatouille. Probably. Going back to my food analogies because apparently that's all. Man, I really got, you get I feel a, like a food fetish or something. Uh, clearly. Um, in Ratatouille, they actually kind of talk about this kind of thing mm-hmm. where he goes, well, what? It's just food. It's just food. And then Mr. Uh, Ratatouille go gives him a, th- I don't know, his fucking name. Remy? Remy. Wow. How did I remember that? I don't <laughs> I've know. seen that movie one time. I've seen like half of it. It's one of the ones that I need to actually sit down and watch at some yeah. point. And I so do you know the scene I'm talking about at all? So what he does, so he's got his friend who's the fat one that just eats a whole bunch of stuff. Right. And then there's him who's the cook. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, okay, I want you to try this this food. And I think it's like just kind of a vague food that he goes, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's a food. And it's like, okay, no, I want you to close your eyes. And it closes his eyes and it's like just the rat in a black background. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I want you to take a bite and experience the flavor. And it does this cool like image, like this color graphic thing behind it, like mm-hmm. a one color. Mm-hmm. It's like, cool. Now I'll take a bite of this one. And it's a different color. He's like, now I want you to take a bite of both at the same time. And it's like a really cool like symphony of color, like interweaving color mm-hmm. behind it. And it's a, it's a visualization of, yeah, you can just eat food. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can just watch a movie mm-hmm. and it's fine. But then when you like close your eyes, well, not during a movie, but <laughs> <laughs> when you close your eyes and you savor it, it just becomes so much more intense and mm-hmm. it feels more yeah. than just watch, than just seeing a movie. Yeah. All right. So, so what's the next? So, Okay. You've addressed these concerns. I understand why I would want to watch good movies actively. Yes. How do I do that? How do I get... Now we get back to the point I was making earlier. Yeah. How do I get beyond my my MCU and my stuff like that? I think it all comes down to talking. Okay. Um, In my opinion. And that's just because mm-hmm. that's how I did it is through podcasts. There's right. no way I would have just been able to watch a whole bunch of movies and pick things up without... Right going to or talking through something that would teach me about what. Mm -hmm. So to me, it all comes down to watching movies that you, you know, are good at that. I have been thinking about this a little bit and I think a great place to start is with like Oscar movies. Mm -hmm. Cause those tend to be what I call very serious dramas, Mm -hmm. but they're accessible enough that, people actually watch them yeah um like stuff like parasite shape of water people Mm -hmm. watch those movies they're not little indies that no one ever sees Mm -hmm. but they do have some of these weightier themes and they have a level of craftsmanship that you're not going to see in fast and furious or whatever yeah um and so yeah watching something like that engaging with it talking about it yeah because it's if you know what you're the only way to know what you're looking for is to see it first right and let's talk about 
like cinematography with Blade Runner 2049, mm-hmm. you look at that and you're like, all of this, like, look at these light, like everything that has to do with lighting and like the, the background and the, the way the cameras are working plays into this. Why is this person looking this direction? Maybe it's to symbolize this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Why is like the light looking like this? Maybe it's to split, like to differentiate between two points of view mm-hmm. and stuff like that, where you just look at it and you, you, you look at it, you watch a movie that you know does the thing right, and then you talk to someone else or like just talk, like think about it really hard. Why is this good the way that it is? Mm-hmm. So, if you want to learn about like dialogue or like how directing, like directing the way people talk in a movie, mm-hmm. you look at a movie that has that is n- like known to be better. If you want to talk about dialogue, watch a Noah Baumbach movie. Yeah, and absolutely. Then, you you watch this and you go okay why does this feel so much more natural mm-hmm. like so that when you watch a different movie you watch new mutants and you go this dialogue feels fake mm-hmm. because it doesn't do whatever like it doesn't like i know my answers yeah like it just feels like the the response any person's response to a given stimulus it does not feel like a normal human response right but you do that that's how you start to learn what what is good and mm-hmm. how to identify what is good is by seeing right. what's good it's studying yeah like when you're learning a new thing in school like that that is an applicable thing like when you get into college you're not just learning algebra when you're looking learning like applicable stuff mm-hmm. music let's say music for example you learn about the um 251 or let's Jazz specifically, when someone's learning to improv in jazz, mm-hmm. what do you what are they gonna do? They're gonna watch and study some of the most like the most sought after or the most like impressive and worshipped improv uh improv solos mm-hmm. to then understand what makes them work, and then you look yeah. at bad ones and go, This is where it fails compared to the other ones. Mm-hmm. And it's just that it's a long process. Like I'm still not even there entirely. And it's been three years, <laughs> but it also comes with the fact that you don't need to learn all of it. Right. If you just want to understand how dialogue works, then suddenly there's one element of a movie that you're, mm-hmm. that you're more in tune with. Yeah. And if you're just active and thinking about movies, you don't even have to go as far as Oscar Beatty stuff. You can get a lot of thematic and interesting weight out of just, empire strikes back for example you know like when i was six and watching that movie i liked the lightsaber fight and i liked the hoth battle at the beginning but then the rest of the movie was really boring yeah and now watching it as an adult like just the little conversations that luke and yoda have about the force are some of my favorite scenes in all of star Mm -hmm. wars it's um just trying to engage with it and think about the ideas that they're Mm -hmm. putting out there and it's 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 satisfying on a different level it's that that deeper richer experience Mm mm-hmm um yeah and you can you can stop there you can go farther you can get into your art house french new wave lovely movies um try to understand what those are about yeah but you don't have to you don't have to but it's it's valuable just to be able to turn your brain on like that yeah and focus on the product on the screen and think about what it's trying to tell you and why that's critical thinking yeah there you go so so What's You've, the next question? You have achieved enlightenment. I've achieved you can, enlightenment. You're good at watching movies now. No, I wouldn't say enlightenment yet. 
Okay. You have seen what enlightenment looks like. Okay. You have found the end of the spectrum. Okay. And now you would like to be able to traverse the spectrum. Mm Mm-hmm. How the fuck? I can't answer that because I don't know how to yet. Yeah. (laughs) So, like I said, it's very simple. I just have this little switch installed in the back of my head. So, if it's a switch, then there's no middle ground. You need to... It's a slider. Yeah, it's like a... Or knob. Yeah, okay. It's a a dial. It's a dial, yeah. You got a knob on the back here. (laughs) Well, turn it up to 11. (laughs) (laughs) So, the ultimate... The enlightenment of a moviegoer is to be able to watch a movie with the dial tuned to exactly what you need to, to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And with Hobbs and Shaw, it's pretty much down at a two. (laughs) Yeah. It's not a smart movie. It's not a smart movie. The thing is it makes no pretensions about being a smart movie. Right. And I'm not saying that my quote unquote state of enlightenment that we're talking about here, this is not, you enjoy every movie. It's, Mm-hmm. absolutely not the case i hated hellboy oh I yeah loathe that movie objectively bad movie because yeah. because difference between hobbs and shaw and hellboy is hellboy pretended to try to be more than it was right so it portrayed itself in such a way that's like hey we have good cinematography good acting good this stuff good that stuff good story and it wasn't right hobbs and shaw was like oh that's a fun story it's two big guys beating the shit out of a whole bunch of people yeah <laughs> which it is <laughs> Let's flip some cars, blow some stuff up. Idris yep. Elba's Black Superman. Yeah. I'm Black Superman. That was pretty good. I not know. terrible. Yeah. It's not the worst Idris Elba I've ever done. Right. Yeah. It didn't um, end up as Sean Connery this time, so you're <laughs> definitely improving. I'm Black Superman. There we go. That's uh, it. Yeah, no. So I, I think it, what it really is, what it really comes down to is just meeting a movie on its own terms. Yeah. And I don't know how to like actively think about doing that i don't know how to sit down and watch a movie and say okay i'm going to approach this movie on its terms it's something you kind of have to do with practice over watching a bunch of movies you have to learn to interpret the stuff it gives you at the beginning Mm -hmm. and use that as as a building off point for for how you approach a movie yeah and so you start watching a dumb rom-com and it starts hitting all of the cliche points and you switch yourself into that mode you you take it on its terms you say okay this is the box it has confined itself in what is the shape of it within this box yeah you start watching jurassic world fallen kingdom and chris pratt is mere inches away from lava and somehow his skin is not scorching on top of him you're like <laughs> okay this is a, a dinosaur movie that's ostensibly in the real world except volcanoes kind of work different yeah and you you switch it and you're like okay here's the box here's the rules that this particular movie has laid out What's the shape of it within this box, within these rules? Right. I really what, like these like tactile analogies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because it, then it's like it's really good because if you if you have this box that you've established at the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. and then the movie itself starts to violate those rules that you right. established, that's when you know start knowing it's a bad movie, yeah. like Hellboy. Yeah. Like Hobbs and Shaw stuck to what it was going to do from the beginning to the end. Yeah. Hellboy, it was just like, oh, look at this. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna take a little trip over to that different box. It's not even like just leaving the box; it's going to a different box. Yeah. When it goes to a different box, it's a bad movie. Yeah. And it's not even like you can make a bad movie entirely within the shape of a particular box. Mm-hmm. You just, you know, you you miss some beats or um, some. Bride Wars is kind of an example I come back to a lot. That's yeah. a really terrible rom. Like what's so when you've got a movie that like sticks to a box, mm-hmm. it's a good movie because. 
when you're comparing it to a movie that has a box and then it tries to get up to a different box and to a different box, take all these boxes. And then when you bring it to the box office, they're not going to like it. I think that was magnificent, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I think it works really well, especially like, because yeah, okay. if you have a whole bunch of boxes, yeah. the box office isn't going to like it. But when you yeah. have just one box, the box office is like, cool, we can handle this. Well, but, you know, existing merely within the one single box is not a guarantee of success. And I want to go back to Bride Wars here, which it's I know you've never seen it. You have not seen it. Do not see it. It's um, oh, 2000, 2009 or so. It's... um. Anne Hathaway and Hathaway Hathaway. Where's that a? Where's the Hathaway Hathaway Thway Thway. Anyway, anyway, uh, Anne Hathaway mm-hmm. and I believe Kate Hudson. Um, she's probably still when she existed. Um, and they're basically two best friends, and they grow up, and they want to do their weddings at this very special venue. And there's some sort of comedic error and somehow they're booked on the same day accidentally in the same venue and so they they fight for it Mm -hmm. it's a rom-com shenanigans and there's there's romance and comedy except and it fits within sort of that box entirely Uh uh-huh but it just does it really badly it kind of forgets to be funny and just becomes kind of mean-spirited oh i think i already told yeah, you about this I've, i talk about this movie more than i'd like to <laughs> it's it's a good example of a bad movie yeah um it's just it's neither very funny nor very appealing you're not like rooting for either of these characters to get the drop on the other one because they were started out as likable characters yeah and it's just it's a it's a twisted mess inside the the normal box yeah um so Existing within a particular box isn't a guarantee of success, but existing within a particular box gives you the framework to understand whether it's a good or a bad movie within its own self-contained box. Okay. And so being able to put yourself into the box that exists gives you a better chance of coming to appreciate a movie on its own terms. Hobbs and Shaw fits within its own sort of hyper real fast cars and big muscles explosions action movie. Yeah. It's a perfectly fine movie within that box. Mm -hmm. And if you can set yourself into that box, set yourself into that headspace of, okay, I'm going to see some muscles and some punching and some quips. I'm going to be into it. Then, you know, it turns out okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, I don't want to say it's lowering your expectations, but it's... um, Deciding which box to put it in. Yeah. Just uh, realizing what again you're you're coming to a movie on its own terms you're realizing that everything that's gone into it is a particular deliberate choice and you're acknowledging those choices and trying to understand them within the larger framework of the the creation itself Mm -hmm. so here's an example of a movie that completely burned a box to put it in a different box is suicide squad yeah it was made in a box with a good vision Mm mm-hmm but then they wanted to do a different box. So what they did is they took, they had the box that was shaped in a certain way. And then they took all the contents that fit well in that box and tried to shove, whoops, tried to <laughs> shove it into a different box yeah. that was shaped differently into a round box. Yeah. And it was just trying to fit the square content into this round box. Yep. And it, they it didn't look pretty, but they got it in there because they released the movie ultimately. Yeah. So yeah, that's, 
Like, if you were to watch this movie and you were like, at the very beginning, you're like, ah, I know kind of what box they want it to be in mm-hmm. for the, like, so they introduce the whole kit, the whole crew. Mm-hmm. And you're like, ah, I understand what box this is in. Mm-hmm. Then they introduce the crew again. Yep. But it's a different box. And you're like, wait, but what happened to the other box? And now you've got two boxes and you don't know which one's full and which one's empty. And then through the whole movie, neither do they. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's competing visions. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't know what it wants to be. And so you can't come to it on its own terms because it hasn't laid out terms in the first yep. place. Same with Justice League. Yeah, uh, a little bit. Um, I would say Justice League less so, like, it fits within the framework of big dumb superhero movie, mm-hmm. but within that space, there are more like conflicted visions and um, they don't know exactly how they're going to tell that story. Yeah. But ultimately it's going to be a big dumb superhero movie. Yeah. Whether that's big dumb superhero movie that's dark and edgy like BVS or big dumb superhero movie like, um, I don't know, Civil War. Mm-hmm. Where it's kind of edgy. It's kind of edgy, but like it's got lighthearted moments. Yeah, and it's it's well made and kind of focused. Yeah, yeah, and it, it Justice League in particular doesn't really settle into where it wants to be, but it, at least it's in the box. Yeah, it's just kind of oddly shaped inside there. Yep. Yeah. So we have our boxes. Okay. I think that's it. I think that's the enlightenment. Really? Yeah, and it's just it's it's an acquired skill. Just being able to watch a movie and appreciate it for what it is. I don't know a better way to do it than go into every movie open-minded and mildly optimistic. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good starting place. And then you just have to be good at taking the information the movie gives you um, as it comes. And Which, sidetrack, isn't to say that a movie can't start out one way and then take a sharp turn and still not be good movies can deviate from their first 10 minutes movies can have jarring tonal shifts or mixed up tones yeah you can... but if it's the point of it then it right it if... like it gives you the transition to the new box yeah it lays out its own terms and its yep. terms are that there is this transition that there's this um something something snaps something changes it's a i don't know dark comedy or something like that where it's it's simultaneously got the darkness but it's got the comedy mm-hmm. part you you come to it on those terms not it's a dark movie and then there's a joke and it feels out of place yeah something like that would be different yeah so i think that's i think that's really kind of the grand thesis today boxes are enlightening and don't go to the box office with too many boxes that's for sure so i think that's it yeah i think that's uh i think we've answered the questions mm-hmm. if anyone has any more questions raise your hand nope all right. No. Not you. Okay, I'll just go right here. Oh, god. <laughs> uh so yeah. Yeah. Any last points? Any any overarching cuz you said you had a few, few bullets. We had all your bullet points. Your I think so. bullet points? Yeah, kind of bulleted through it. All right, then I guess shoust we. Let's let's shoust. Thanks everyone for listening to this episode of Just Us Losers. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and Podbean, and also iHeartRadio, and probably like literally anywhere else you can listen to podcasts. Apparently, we're everywhere now. Uh, yeah, check out our social media. Nothing's there yet. I know we've been hyping it up for weeks. We're getting closer to the big day when we're actually going to have stuff. We're on Facebook, where I'm going to post a New Mutants review, and where I will have posted a Tenant review. Deliberate choice of verb tense there. Um, 
We're on Twitter at Justice Losers Pod, where there is absolutely nothing yet, but there will be because we have a actual marketing team that's going to be running our social media. And it's going to be great. And it's coming in just a few short weeks. Prepare yourself. This is exciting. Brace your bodies. Prepare your ears and your eyes because we're on Instagram at Justice Losers Pod. Also, that. Yes. Good. Uh, we have a Gmail, justicelosers.pod at gmail.com, where if you would like to send us more questions that you have about how you're bad at watching movies and want to be good at watching movies and want us to enlighten you, tell us there. We will enlighten you or make fun of you for your inability to watch movies. <laughs> you're all pleasant. You thought we weren't going to be condescending this episode. Boy, were you wrong, you doofus. You dummy. Um, more on Patreon. You can send us money. Sort of. You can also just like mail me a check. Yeah. Don't have to tell Preston about it. Just me. Wait, has this happened before? No. Fuck. <laughs> uh, let's see. What are we talking about next week? Is next week writer strike? Yeah. Oh, maybe. Depending on if Andrew. Depending on Andrew. Uh, next week, if it's possible, we will have the excellent and always knowledgeable Andrew Johnson on to tell us about the writer strike. If not, we'll probably talk about um, anxiety. Yeah. Anxiety. An- movies that makes you anxious and pacing and kind of get into some sort of meta conversation there. Yeah. Um, so just in anticipation of that, if you've got movies that uh, make you anxious, make you feel anxious, um, not just Hellboy because you don't understand what the German words are and you feel the urge to look them up during the movie. Uh, let us know. Send us that at, at justusloserspod at gmail.com or also on our other places that you can send things. It's probably all the things I'm supposed to have said at this point in the episode, right? Yep. <laughs> I don't want to walk back over there. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Oh, I didn't reach it. I'll have to try to get the bell. <laughs>